Well, if, if there's no other questions, I'll invite you to uh, open your Bibles to Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And by the way, in, um, you might hear me say 2 Corinthians. That's the way we say it there in South Africa. So instead of 2 Corinthians, it's 2 Corinthians. You see the title there, Ambassadors for Christ. Back when uh, President Trump came into office, he nominated an um, ambassador to South Africa. It had been several years since South Africa had a, an ambassador uh, for, from the U.S., and her name is um, Lana Marks. And she grew up in Port Elizabeth. It's about four hours east of where we live, uh, four hours further up the coast. And um, she was living in Florida and had a successful uh, high-end ladies' handbag um, business. So I guess that um, qualifies you for ambassadorship, I guess. But uh, it was one of the issues that came up. Uh, I heard, you know, saw, read some talk in South Africa about the fact that she didn't really have any diplomatic experience. Um, and and maybe there's a little criticism here in the States, too, as, as politics goes. But I, I thought back to when President Obama made his nominations, you know, before when he came into office for the ambassadors. And there was very, uh, several of the candidates were criticized because they didn't, they weren't able to answer basic questions about the country that they're going to be ambassadors to. And uh, the, the one ambassador to Argentina hadn't even visited the country before, so... Um, so I guess uh, President Trump's choice wasn't too bad for South Africa. But this morning, I want us to think about a, a different kind of ambassador, uh, an ambassador uh, for Christ. And if you have your, your Bibles there to um, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want us to uh, just begin reading there in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new Creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Our Father, we come before you this morning, and we ask that you would give us grace to uh, hear your word. Um, pray that you would help me to proclaim your word, and to, uh, as we look at this passage, you've you have for us this morning and the topic of um, an ambassador to represent you here on the earth. I pray, Father, you'd help us. You'd give us, give us your strength and grace. We might serve you. Give us hearts this morning with the Spirit of God. Uh, open our hearts and minds to not only understand your word, but to uh, obey it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you saw there in verse 17... This uh, emphasis on the fact that we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We talk about regeneration or the new birth of Christ. As you remember Jesus speaking to um, 
Nicodemus in John chapter 3 said, you must be born again, or you must be born from above. And so to be in Christ means that we have this relationship with him, this uh, work that is done through the Spirit of God to, to bring us into that uh, relationship. But that relationship requires reconciliation. Uh, Paul uses uh, some different forms of that word five times in just these three verses, verse 18 to 20. And so he's emphasizing this relationship and the need for reconciliation. Verse 18, he talks about two works of God or two acts of God or things that he says are from God or of God. And first of all, he's the God who reconciles us uh, to himself. And then secondly, he's the God who gives us a ministry of reconciliation. So we're going to look at those, those two areas this morning. And, and first of all uh, is the, the necessity for reconciliation. I had, had originally in my notes the need for reconciliation. I thought, well, that just not, it's not strong enough. I need to say it. I need to say it stronger than that. There's a necessity for relationships. And you can think of your human uh, relationships um, that you have, the relationships here within the church, within your family. Uh, There is this need for an ongoing reconciliation. Uh, Because we're, you know, we're human, we we have this sinful flesh that... um, just gives us trouble, doesn't it? We're, we're always having trouble with somebody, and somebody's having trouble with us. And, and so there's, in the church, in the, the brothers and sisters in Christ, there's this ongoing need to be reconciling to someone else, to ask forgiveness, to, to, to uh, acknowledge that we were wrong, and, and um, constantly seeking that we're, we're close to one another. And so there is this coming together of each person to be reconciled. And you remember that Christ, uh, you know, in Matthew 5, he talks about that if you, if you bring your, altar, your gift to the altar and you, and you remember that you have something against your brother, or your brother has something against you, he says, he says, you know, leave your gift there at the altar and go and first be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift to the Lord. Um, so there, there's a need for that. But that's not, what, that's not how the reconciliation works with God. With God, we are the ones who have to be reconciled unto Him. Uh, God doesn't need to be reconciled to us. We must, we must, we're the ones who have to, to change. We, we have to be reconciled to Him. And, and so there's this vertical... Um, need for reconciliation. And so uh, that brings us to this first point that we must be reconciled to God. And, and sin is the reason that there's this need. Sin uh, brings about a separation between us and God. And in fact, God, God sees us as enemies. Uh, we're enemies of God. We may not, a lost person may not think they're an enemy of God, but uh, because of their sin, they are estranged. They, there's this, they can't 
know God. They can't come to God. Um, God, you know, is many times people want to think about God as a loving God and a, and a, and a gracious God and a merciful God. And he is all of those things. But they don't want to think about God as a God who judges sin or a God who um, is angry or a God who has wrath or any of those things. If you, if, if you want to look with me back to Exodus, I want to go back to Exodus 34 because there is a, is, is a really good um, a reminder for us as God uh, tells us something about himself in Exodus 34 verse 6 and 7, you remember the setting where Moses wanted to see God and God said, you, you know, you can't, you can't um, see me and live. And he, he hides Moses, you know, in the, in, the, in the rock, behind the cleft of the rock. And he, as he passes by, allows Moses to see his parting glory. And in verse 6, it's Exodus 34, verse 6 says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord... The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and the transgression and sin. And that's where a lot of people would like to stop reading because it's you know all the, the good things that God does, his love and mercy, his forgiveness. But as you continue reading verse 7, it says, And that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. There's a price for sin. The fact that we are sinners. And there is judgment because of that. As you go to the New Testament, this is repeated over and over again. This nature of God. Verse one of Romans, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. In other words, they're, they're holding down or they're suppressing. They, they don't want to hear the truth of God's word. They're rejecting God's word. Um, in Romans 2.5, God says that um, the, the, the hard-hearted the hard he says, in, in the impenitent heart, in other words, the, the one who is not willing to repent. He says, but after the hardness and the impenitent heart, treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Well, that's really bad news, isn't it? As you think about God's wrath is going to be revealed against the unsaved. But what is even... Harder to hear is the reality that there's nothing that a lost person can do about it. Now, you can go and, and try to be reconciled to your friend that uh, maybe he's gotten offended about something, and, and hopefully that'll, that'll work out. But, but as an unsaved person, you can't just go and be reconciled to God on your own. You can't just... Uh, you know, say, well, I'll give some money to the church, or I'll do some good deeds. I'll serve, and I'll get help the poor, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. And thinking that, well, you know, God will certainly see this, and be, you know, he'll be reconciled to me. 
He'll, he'll end his divine balances way up my good against my sin, and it'll, it'll all work out in the end. No, there, there is nothing. It's, if you think about the religions of the world, that's what religion is. It's an effort to, to satisfy uh, the, the wrath of God. It's, a, it, it's a efforts to be reconciled to God, to appease God. And as you, you go to Africa or anywhere, that's, you see all the cultural things that people do, the customs they have. They're all, almost always connected to religion, to an effort to appease, to satisfy God. Well, this brings us to a, a, an important part, and it's the good news, is that God has provided for reconciliation. What man, what we could not do, God has done for us. And that's, uh, that's something to be excited about, isn't it? What, that fact that God has provided for the reconciliation that we must have. He made a way for us uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he made a way that our sin could be paid for in His righteous judgment upon sin could be satisfied. He, he removed the barrier that was between us and God. And he, and he accomplished that through, uh, through the offering of Christ, Christ's death for us, the substitutionary death of Christ. And that's verse 19 in our text. If you go back to um, 2 Corinthians ch- uh, chapter 5, verse 19 says, To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. In other words, Christ was the means through which he provided this reconciliation. We use the word uh, propitiation. That's, that's a word we, we just don't use in any other context, really, uh, to propitiate. Uh, in other words, God's wrath was satisfied. The offering of Christ on the cross, it, it, it satisfied his righteous judgment upon our sin. And, and because of that, God could still be just and, just and justify us. In other words, he could forgive us of our sins and without compromising his own character, his own uh, requirement to judge sin because it was judged in Christ. Let me show you how, how he says it in uh, Romans 5, verse 8, 11, as he talks about the means of our reconciliation in Christ. In Romans 5, Verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God, in other words, rejoicing in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or reconciliation. The same word there that we have in our text in verse 18 and 19 of um, 2 Corinthians 5. And so this is accomplished through Christ, and we take that for granted sometimes, but uh, uh, that's the the, the good news of the gospel, that uh, we have uh, reconciliation in him. 
Well, I want you to also see that there is this reconciliation must be received. In verse 20, he says, We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now, that's, a, that's an imperative. It's a command. But it's also passive. Uh, it's a passive imperative. Be ye reconciled. In other words, because of the passive, it's, it's not that we must do the work of reconciliation, but we must receive it. Uh, God has done the work, but we must receive what he has accomplished. Be ye reconciled to God. And that's the, that's the great truth that uh, we have as we invite people to Christ, as we talk to our, our uh, lost friends and, and loved ones. We can t- tell them about what Christ has done. We don't have to tell them about what we've done or how good you know, we're Christian or whatever. But we can t- talk to them about how God saved us and what he did in order to accomplish that for us. Uh, second thing I want us to see from this passage is that there's the ministry of reconciliation. He says it in all three verses in different ways. Verse 18, he says, He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And that word ministry there uses is diakonia. It's a word we get our word deacon from. It just means this, the service or the ministry. And so uh, you mustn't think, sometimes we use the word ministry as we think about a pastor, don't we? The Lord's called him into the ministry. Well, in, in this general way, we're all called into the ministry. We're all ministers of reconciliation. Verse 19, he says, he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And in verse 20, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And so the thing I want you to see here is that um, uh, those who are reconciled become ministers of reconciliation. Uh, notice in verse 18, he, he says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, the us there that have been reconciled are the same us who are ministers of reconciliation. So it's not that the, you know, the Lord saved us all, but he's called the pastor to be the minister of reconciliation. No, he's called us all to be ministers. And if you've been reconciled, then God wants to use you in his work of bringing others unto himself. I uh, was sometime back looking at a, a website called Ambassador Mission and, uh, and they were do- trying to do a good thing. They were trying to recruit people who had skills that they could use on the mission fields. Like, you know, if maybe you were a, uh, maybe you're, you had, you know, ability in computers or um, art uh, of uh, being able to, you know, work with IT department or various things that you could do. And they were trying to recruit people for, uh, to go to the mission field, not necessarily to preach, but to help in other ways. So anyway, they were doing a good thing, but I noticed that their, 
their logo or their the slogan they had was, we believe God has gifted every individual on the earth in a unique way to bring him glory and further his kingdom. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? But, but I said, now wait a minute, God has not uh, and does not use every person on the earth to be his ambassador and to, to, to bring him glory or to further his kingdom. It's only those who have been reconciled unto him are the ones who are able to go and serve him and to further his kingdom and to bring him glory. Uh, and so God is, um, doesn't work like the business world works. <laughs> uh, sometimes we feel like, well, you know, God only, you know, God needs the, he needs the best and the brightest. And if you don't see yourself in that category, then you think, well, you know, that works for someone else. But if you're here this morning and you know what I'm talking about when I say we're reconciled to God, if you've been, if you're at peace with God through the work of Christ in your heart and the Spirit of God, you know what I'm talking about. And if God has done that work in your heart, God wants you with your ability, with whatever talents he's blessed you with, with whatever circle of influence that you may have, he wants you to represent him right where you're at and right to the people that he's put in your life. You, you, may, not, uh, you may not feel like you're, you're qualified um, to be uh, an ambassador for the Lord, um, but, but the reality is that none of, none of us are, are qualified. Uh, notice this point in verse 19. He says that, that the ambassador speaks for their king. Um, we represent Christ in his spiritual kingdom, and, which is seen in the church today. Uh, we not only represent him by our actions, but we represent him by our words. Verse 19, he uses, he says this phrase, the word of reconciliation. That's the logos. It's, it's the spoken word. And uh, this is the gospel of Christ, the good news of his death, burial, and resurrection that we know about. We, we know all about that. And, and sometimes we forget that other people don't know about that. They know, they've heard of it, but they don't understand it uh, in the context of the Scripture as revealed in God's Word. And so God wants us to be the hands and the feet and the mouth to live it and to explain it to them. God wants us to, to, to be his word of reconciliation. Uh, verse 20, he says, let me read it. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Uh, he says, God did beseech you by us. The, the word beseech you there... It talks about imploring, uh, inviting. We, we, we don't only speak about God, but He speaks through us. As, in other words, as we speak God's Word, God is speaking 
through us. It doesn't matter really what we think about things. Some people will come to you, you know, and informally wanting your advice, and they say, what do you think about this? And many times we can say, well, you know, it really doesn't matter what I think, but what God says is really important. And we can talk to them practically, informally, um, and, and be able to give them God's word and to allow God to speak through us. As we speak his word, the spirit of God uses his word to bring about change. He, bring, he brings about conviction in the heart of man. He, he opens blinded eyes. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand why our friends and relatives and, and people we know can't see. They can't understand. It's like it's so clear to us. And uh, sometimes we can pat ourselves on the back and say, well, you know, that was that's easy. I can see that. And the only reason that we can see it is because God has done a work in our heart. God did a work in our heart through his spirit to open our eyes and to convict us. And that's how we need to be praying for our lost friends and loved ones, that God would do what only God can do to bring about a conviction of sin and to see the Savior. And God wants to use us in that process. He says, we pray you in Christ's stead. That word, we pray you, sometimes translated beg or beseech or pray earnestly. And so we're not just telling people we're, we're inviting them. We're imploring them on behalf of Christ. He says, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Well, um, there may be someone here this morning who, um, who hasn't been reconciled unto God. You haven't, you haven't accepted God's terms of peace. You know, at the end of um, World War II, when uh, the Japanese surrendered after those atomic bombs were dropped in Japan, the, the, the leaders realized that if they didn't surrender, they would cease to exist. They just could not, um, could not confront that power. And the, the, the U.S. with the Allied forces, they had the, the Potsdam uh, Declaration, and they had various terms and things of um, surrender there. It wasn't The status of the emperor wasn't real clear. But the one thing that was certain, there must be a complete surrender. They couldn't hold on to this power and hold on to that power and make deals. No, it had to be a complete surrender. And so many people, as you think about it, come to God... And they want to make deals with God. They want to hold on to this and hold on to that and say, God, I'll give you this. And, and if you'll do this for me, then, then you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be a Christian. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. God, I mean, sometimes people want to come to God on their own terms and hold on to their own sovereignty. And so we need to help people understand the reality that they must come to God on His terms. On the terms that he has established. And the terms that he's established is that we are sinners. And there's nothing that we can do to appease God or satisfy God or be, uh, be right with God. And God has provided his own reconciliation in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to point people to him and to see what he has done for us. And it's in Christ, in Christ alone, that we have 
the reconciliation. And so we must invite people, and I invite you this morning, if you haven't trusted Christ, to turn from yourself, from any hope in yourself, from any idols of your heart, to the true and the living God, to live and to serve Him. As Paul said, we pray you, or we invite you, we plead with you in Christ's stead. In other words, in His place. We're speaking for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's what an ambassador does when he, when he goes to serve in a, a foreign country. He represents that country. And as you think about a king, an ambassador, someone who's sent, he, he doesn't go to, to, to represent himself. He doesn't go to give his opinion. He goes to speak on behalf of the king. Now, none of us really, in and of ourselves, are worthy to be an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But God has made us worthy in Christ. Because of Christ, he, he, he makes us worthy. Who better to represent the King than the Son of the King? And God has made us His sons and daughters, hasn't He? He's made us his children. And so, therefore, we are able to represent him and what he wants to do in the lives of other people. Well, as believers here this morning, God wants to use us that way, the people around us. And so let's be praying for one another. Pray for us in South Africa. It's the same needs, the same needs that, that lost people have here are the exact same as people have in South Africa. The, the excuses that you hear why a person doesn't want to trust Christ is the same excuses here in South Africa. I mean, there's cultural differences, economic differences, but it's all the same. We're all the same. And so let's be praying, praying for each other that we might uh, represent our King of kings and Lord of lords as his ambassadors. Father, we thank you this morning that you've called us to such a high calling that we can serve you in this way, that we can represent you and even have you speak through us as we speak your word to, uh, to people around us, Lord. May we sense that reality. May we go forth in that boldness of your word and the spirit of God. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.